space. Final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim. With me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And Dr. Squee. I have been and always shall be your friend. And, yeah, we've got, oh, we've got a big episode. It's the one we've been waiting for. We've got the finale, finale of Picard to talk about and the premiere of Strange New Worlds. So I've got so far as to say this is like... Oh, last Thursday, rather, when they aired, was the most anticipated day in New Trek history. It's got to have been. I mean, it's not yeah. a big, big, big finale and a premiere on the same day. Yeah, we, like, there was a big build-up before we got Discovery. But I think this was bigger. I mean, it used to be the, the sort of what, what's kind of referred to as the kind of golden age of Star Trek was when you had uh, Next Generation... Deep Space Nine and Voyager kind of around the same time and overlapping and all this. Now to have all this Star Trek, it's got to be the platinum or whatever you like to call it age yeah. um, <laughs> of Star Trek. Just there's never been more more Star Trek at any one time in production. Glorious. Yeah. And and I thought they were both really good episodes as well. So I mean obviously I, we're I especially into it, but I especially love Picard, I've got to say. And I did really like uh, Strange Picard. New Worlds, but there's some bits in Strange New Worlds which I do have some issues with. Picard was my favourite out of these two this week. Yeah. And yeah. I, and oh, I, yeah. I seriously that. think that if they have this situation again, they should do a week apart. I don't think it's a good idea having a, a big season finale, especially when you've had such a good season as Picard. And then you're going into launching a new show because you're gonna you're gonna come away because you you're gonna watch them back to back. I did, and sure you guys did. Mm -hmm. You watch them back to back, and immediately you're gonna have a favourite that out of the two of them. And guys, which which, you, which order did we do it in? I went Picard, then Strange. I did Worlds. Strange New Worlds first. You see, oh, I thought I'd seen that you said that. Why would you do that in such an insane order? You finish off your main course, then you go on to your wonderful dessert. Because when I got home, it was new to Star Trek. <laughs> I, I just, I was just it, so excited. It, in my head, that was a no-brainer. <laughs> oh, to me, it was a no-brainer in the other order, because it's like, you finish off the best series of Star Trek ever, I'm going to say it, which was the last series of Picard, and then you go on to your new voyage with uh, Strange New Worlds. Yeah, it was just... How about you, Jim? It, it was yeah, I, yeah, I went yeah. Picard, then Strange New Worlds, because I generally tend to do that, like when it was Discovery and Picard, because Discovery had started first. I did the Discovery first, then the Picard. You know, I mean, um, I might have done it the other way around if it was episodic as opposed to a long-form story, or if it was, um, like, midway through the series as opposed to towards the end. Mm -hmm. But but like certainly like oh I had I had to finish off the Picard story yeah, first I, I had to know how that ended. I got home just before five from work and I could wait till six o'clock to watch Picard. Oh, I'm telling you the the day of polling, which I was working on the election polls last week, day of there sitting there for like what was it fifteen sixteen hours? Oh my god, I was just counting down the seconds to sweet sweet Star Trek time. <laughs> 
And I watched, like, Picard, I was pretty lucid for, I must admit, the first airing of Strange New Worlds, I was a bit, like, more sleepy, but I watched it again the next day, and, yeah, yeah, great stuff. Did you do some polling dubs? Because we saw that uh, Labour came in in Southampton. Yeah, yeah, so I was <laughs> working those dubs? Dubs? Did you have your bag under the table? <laughs> do you know what? The amount of people who, ate, first of all, the, the biggest joke that you get all day is, uh, oh, that looks like, shred is it? are you shredding our votes? No, no. It's a, probably that, like, design of that box predates the shredder for a start. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, you do get a few people. There was someone who was joking, but I, I think they were joking, but they were really deadpan. They were saying, it's like, uh, oh, so you hide the votes. And then they made a joke about Antifa. So I was pretty sure they were joking by the end yeah. of that. But, um, yeah. For a second, you couldn't tell. <laughs> like, they were very dry with their wet. <laughs> but it was really cool because um, it's the closest I've ever been to my house doing the polls. Sorry, we will get back on Star Trek in a second. But yeah, it's like six that. minutes walk away from my door. And so it was like all my neighbours were coming in, including some from, like, there's literally some neighbours next door I've never met because they were extra cautious during the pandemic and everything. And it's the first time I met them. I just saw the house number and go, I, I'm your next door neighbor. Oh yeah, would like you you try to drop off some flowers, but we've been really careful. It's I'm really sorry that we like um we didn't answer the door to your partner. It's like no, it's fine, it's fine. Mm -hmm. So yeah. There you go. Anyway, back on Star Trek. Fun with elections. Um so yeah, Star Trek. Let's start with Picard then. Yeah. Um and obviously last week we talked a lot about what we were expecting in the finale, what things needed to be wrapped up. I think we got some of it right. Um, to be fair, I think got quite a lot of it right. Yeah, yeah. And there were, uh, but there were also a lot of surprises, which we'll get on to. Huge surprises, like yeah, huge uh, surprise, uh, uh, and they didn't ruin it in the titles. They finally learnt. Yeah, that's true. Yes, there was no no um, guest star credits in the titles that could have spoiled it. So yeah, oh, and, and yeah. It was just so so wonderfully formed that you felt like you the the stuff you guessed, which seemed really obvious, it was going to happen, did happen, and kind of like as it should, because there was no other way of doing it really. But there was so many bits you didn't see coming. I thought it was just a, a wonderful surprise. Also made you feel clever because you guessed some of it as well. Yeah, which call a really quite, nice mix. To be fair, it did call quite a lot of it about halfway through the season. Yeah, no, and that's yeah. that's the thing. It it wasn't. I, think I don't you can get a big thumbs up for calling the season yeah. that it was going. I feel like some elements of it, like Girati being the Borg Queen, I don't think was meant to be a revelation. Like I, I don't think they thought yeah. they were fooling anybody with yeah. it. They thought and, that like episode six or something, they'll all get that if they haven't by yeah. that stage. So you it, know, it, yeah. it doesn't ruin the episode that you've already figured that out. And I think that was intentional. And yeah, there were a few other bits and bobs, so let's go through it. So, um... Can I just quickly say that? I mean, I, it, Elliot definitely does deserve a prize for calling it so early, some of the stuff. But yes. I think most of it, the time which you got it, was about when the writers expected you to. But again, I like that kind of thing. It's almost <laughs> like, you know, it, it, it lets you feel a little bit clever. But then they've got so much in reserve to, to reveal that it's just, yeah, I just thought it was really nicely done. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, we, we wrapped up, actually, the rocket launch pretty quickly in the episode. And the mystery of the two Renés, 
I'm not even sure really why they threw that out there because Picard and Talon work out what that means immediately as yeah. the episode starts. Oh, it's the moment where he gets a look in his eyes and then shoots it over to her and she, later Picard. Oh, that was yeah. such a sweet yeah. moment. Yeah. You know, she, she's already she, got it the second she got that he it, said. She got it, it took him a second. And it took him a couple of seconds and he looked over and he, and he saw straight away. She already knows what she's off to do. Yeah. And that was oh, it. beautiful. And just that, that second between them realising was just enough to create a wonderful moment there. Yeah, it was really good. And it shows like that Talon seems to have got Picard sussed out pretty well to say they've not known each other very long. She does seem to have a good hand. I suppose she's been through a lot with him, even in this shot. To be fair, um, with things that we learned later in the episode, she has maybe been briefed on him. Yes, I was going to say maybe also yeah. like uh, she, he just reminds her a lot of his great great grandmother or whatever like uh, Renee is to him. And <laughs> maybe they're just similar personality yeah. types. It has been sort of quite effective the way they, they started off this season setting up like the potential romance with Laris. And but then we've sort of done that romance by proxy, having the same actress and having Picard develop affection for i don't think there's a romantic thing with talent but do you know what i mean it's like you know i got a vibe the, of that yeah maybe i mean but that's going to be creepy isn't it when he goes back and sees larry this, is, thing, this you, is something which i you, think we did so this is something we did sort of um mention in the earlier episode are they going to do this thing of him sort of falling in love with her then going back to the uh, other uh, not Talon, um, Laris. Well, Laris. Laris. Are, are they going to do that switch? And they kind of did. It really did feel like they got the emotional build up with one of them and then it paid off with the other one. It felt like a bit of bait and switch, but I think they got away with it. I don't know why, but it seemed like it felt like they did. It felt yeah, organic at the same they, time. Like, yeah, I'm happy with it. I do think they, as you say, kind of got away with it, but it is a little bit weird. It's like Elliot says when he goes back and goes, well, you know, I had a bit of a thing for your great-great-grandmother and now... <laughs> now I mean, I'm just, basically, it should be easier. <laughs> it basically should be as creepy as the end of Big, which if you watch that film back, it's, it's, yes. it's really entertaining as ever all the way through, but it's at the end when he becomes a boy and then waves back at the girl he just had sex with, like the woman. It's like... Ooh, ooh, nah. And she's just... Oh, it was him. Ah, like no, yeah, no, you should be like, really careful. That explains things. <laughs> oh, so I slept with a ten-year-old. Egg on my face. It's a little bit weird, isn't it? It's but, things that you couldn't do nowadays. I, I think the fact they're all grown-ass adults helps this one definitely. Yes, yeah, this doesn't quite go into that area, but <laughs> anyway. And then yeah, Picard jumps through the thing with the but. Like you said, Dr. Squee on our chat, you know, he didn't say surprise like Gillian Taylor. Oh, no. uh, There's you're a couple throw every other reference to Voyage Home. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, missed a little trick there, unfortunately. Um, and then another one you pointed out was the when it shows sort of zooming into the Jupiter mission, it's kind of like a reverse of the next-gen opening sequence because yeah. that does starting at yeah. Earth and leaving the solar system, whereas this was... And the plants are even the same colour and everything, and it just, it, it, it really, I, I'd be amazed if that wasn't a purposeful nod to the next generation oh, credits. I think a lot, there's a lot of things that they've put in here that are Easter eggs all over. Yeah. 
Yeah, they've, been doing, so it, they've been doing it all season, haven't they? So oh, yeah. why, why wouldn't they? And one thing I will say, just because I'm bad at forgetting things like this, is because uh, I don't think always musically necessarily, I think more of the drum and stuff, but the music they use so cleverly here, they had every single era of music which has ever been associated with yeah, the from, from the original series to the movies. They had a bit of the um, uh, first contact score yeah, near the end, that. and it that's was cool. so beautifully used. I just want to give a nod to, to the, the people who did the music and chose to have those callbacks because they never felt forced or anything, which it could do. Mm. It was just yeah, so organic. They were used in the right places. Yeah. yeah, and it was telling the journey of Picard somehow through this music, which has followed him through the uh, TV and movies. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was really, really like you're hearing that little bit of the first contact one I thought was really nice. Yeah, I didn't know I was going to get so stirred hearing that, but I, I really did. It was That's so beautiful. Cool use of that the first scene. contact scar. I'm, oh, I'm yeah. The first contact one. But yeah, yeah. yeah I agree. Um, good line from Picard earlier on. Like, I like it when, it when he's realised what Talon's going to do. And uh, she says, well, would you have any reason to lie to you? And he says, thousands. She's bad at rock. <laughs> But she wasn't lying to him, so there we go. Yeah, the um, Queen would maybe have reasons, but Girati wouldn't. Yeah, I think at this point there's still, oh, how much of Girati is it? How much of the Borg yeah. is it? I don't know. And yeah. when the Seven and Rafi and um, Rios go to Soong's lab, I love the fact that Seven's just ready with a knife just to go yeah. to <laughs> And the like, they can hear him round the corner, and she's just going to go in and. She's disappointed when he's not there. And <laughs> <laughs> he's done the classic leaving a tape, well, not a tape recorder in this case, but pretty much of it just playing yeah. away, so he can. It can. Be no, there's nothing that. wrong with going for a trope if it works. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. It's it's a classic trick. I like the. Is it? Oh, Last Action Hero with Arnie where he's got the tape recorder and he just puts it on when his ex-wife calls and it's just going, yeah, 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 oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, if, if you look in the background of Sung's lab, you'll see a bed there which has got a few pillows underneath the, the mattress. So <laughs> yeah, that. that's his <laughs> They just didn't see it. Yeah, and he's left some drones. Uh, instead of having... A big space battle. Instead, we get this. He's launching these drones to take it down, which is we find out that's his backup plan because he's. Yeah, and we have seen these drones previously. That he has very good control over them. And where the shield? Yeah, because they had the shield over. Um, oh, of course they did. Oh yeah, what's the um, Corey. Corey. Yeah, you're yeah. Right. I really loved, and also like uh, Reyes having fun with like you, know, you, you always get one scene. It seems where it's like someone has to play about with a game controller, basically, and this was that scene. Yeah. Like the only one I really hate is when they use a very obvious joystick, like they did in um, oh, Interaction. Looking for that because you've got Rios going. I need manual control. Give me manual. I'm like, give him manual. Real. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Fair enough. If they'd done it here as a callback to Interaction, I would have enjoyed it. But usually, if they're just doing it off their own back as a new thing. It just looks so cheesy when no, it's a joystick. It yeah, because they didn't come up with anything better than a joystick over the years. I mean, like we've got yeah. that better than joystick now. I mean, sometimes you do like, um, oh, which Doctor Who is it? The Runaway Bride, where the Doctor gets a controller and it is, it's blatantly an Xbox controller that they've stuck some <laughs> stuff on. And you can just tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know what? The, 
Games console developers have spent years making this ergonomic design that's perfect for gaming. So I won't be surprised if Aliens stole that design because it works. But that's the thing, the perfectly designed one, they didn't stop at the joystick, but like it seems we go no, back to the joystick whenever there's manual control. But yeah. anyway, Rios has got, he just says it's analog control. He doesn't say yeah. specifically that it's manual, uh, that it's a joystick or what have you. But anyway, he manages to do it. That's the important thing. And meanwhile, Sung, it's one of these where he turns up and they say, oh, you know, we, we'd have put the VIP boys, oh, I just want to shake hands with the astronauts. And it's only sort of second time you watch it, you're like, ah, that's why he wants to shake hands with them. Yeah. He's got his... well, but it's that whole thing of like, uh, my money doesn't buy me five minutes. It's like, it's launch day. Even if you had all yeah. the money in the world, no, it wouldn't. Like, she was really easy to game. Probably, though, again, that almost seems believable as well, though, because you do hear these things of like, people getting on the White House lawn because <clears> just <throat> one person turned their back at the wrong moment. She's yeah. just obviously an easily manipulated woman. Yeah. That seems believable that there would be an easily manipulated person there. And that's so the protocol would be just lockdown, lockdown, lockdown on launch day. Yeah. Like he's he's not put his money in until a couple of days ago when he funded the gala. Like, you know, you'd be like, hang on, you know, if you were really wanting to give us money, you could have done it before we were ready to go. To <laughs> he does play it deliciously though, like how how, yeah. uh, how how outraged he gets at nothing, like just a typical yeah. rich white guy, basically. That later on where he's just like, Oh, I'm gonna leave you here. In fact, I am going to leave you here, and he just pisses off. And it's again you wouldn't let that happen, even if he's got loads of money. You'd be like, you're not wandering around the base. Yeah. Yes. Without uh, launch on your own, just because I've annoyed you. <laughs> like, also, did you feel a bit, a little bit like, um, yeah, like, like you said, he, he says, um, like, in fact, I will leave you now. It was almost like Spiner was letting out his uh, next generation over the top acting, which I yes. really enjoyed. It was just a little nod to it because his, his acting in this has been a bit more serious as the series demands mm. like, i'm not saying anything against his acting in next gen it was just more appropriate to the tone of that show whereas that was a little nod to that and i really enjoyed the hell out of that because it just seemed like one of those yeah, uh, it was very yeah, fine i have a bit of fun on this one <laughs> and uh, you know arguably you could say well sung is being very performative in that moment anyway so you know it's not yeah. entirely out of place sung may not be the greatest actor so <laughs> it's almost like someone if if yeah, I had, uh, funny enough, I happened to be listening to a podcast with uh, Carl Urban and he talked about playing Bones and how he had to get certain nods to, nods to DeForest Kelly because he's, as he put it, it's like, I'd be pissed off if I went to see Star Trek and I saw Bones and it didn't remind you at all of the original yeah. character, but you got to make your own. And it almost felt like that. It's like uh, Brent Spiner is, is, is creating a new character, but you want a lot of nods to the, the original yeah. points that he gave. And while we're talking about Carl Urban, if he set out to remind us of DeForest Kelly, he nailed it. Yeah, <laughs> oh, God, yeah, but it doesn't feel like an impression at any point. It just no. feels like a genius no, mix was, of new and old. Yeah, he was brilliant. He, I think he, for me, probably he was the the best one out of that cast in terms of evoking the the original. It's between him and Zachary Quinto. It's very hard yeah, to go between those two because they're both pitch perfect. They were good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Talon then gets this nice scene with Renee where she sort of introduces herself and 
you know, there's a lot of it, like, it is relying on a lot of faith from René just to go, yeah, well, actually, you know, I've been looking after you all your life, and um, you just need to accept that now, because uh, there's a geezer here that's going to try and kill you, so. Well, she starts off with, like, um, oh, yeah, your mate got sick, like, no one told you, though, and it's like, yeah. it's, uh, it, it was her just obviously making up on the spot. Yeah, and, and just, like, well, why are you um, wearing this yeah. um, And also, bullshit, like, they wouldn't come up and tell me something like that, you know, yeah. I loved how... how uh, obvious the lie was, and it was just her making up. Yeah, the and she rightly points out, like, she says, Look, I know everyone who was on this mission. If they'd have subbed someone in, I would have the subs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Get a random person. And anyway, why are you wearing Marie's uniform? Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, you see, well. the, the reason it does work, though, this moment when it's like she's got so much to that she's got to believe in the moment. I'd love the fact they kind of covered it with like, well, there were these moments where I couldn't yeah. help it. You, you saw me. I wanted you to see me like this happened. And also you kind of get the feeling where they follow them throughout their lives. There's a sense of someone being there. So it just yeah. all fit perfectly with a great leap of faith. And also we have to assume as well that the, there is a scene we don't see where Tallinn activates the clerk. So that would sell you on it a little bit. If yeah. you just saw this person take on the, the visage of, the, of yourself, you'd be like, okay, there's obviously something going on here. So. Although, as we get into the next scene, the only thing I, I would say, like, I, I loved it. It was beautifully performed, beautifully written. But part of me did think it's like, no one thought of maybe just beaming down from the ship, like a, a, a sedative, or you know, giving her a sedative to try on him first. You know, just just give her a stab before he kills you. Just just give a try. Yeah, they could have done that. Could have, yeah, she's very much like, I am going to die here. Yeah, yeah. it's like you, you didn't think of, well, of discussing any other options. Okay, you can't take him out because he's important to future with data and everything else that happens in in his family line. But you can knock him out. Yeah, give him a good kicking balls or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, kicking balls, he could like still get up and like, you know, cause mischief, but knock him out. Try that. Give yeah, it a go before you die. She could, if he kills a, she could have had a hand thing as well. And when he took it off, she could have been like, ah, but I've got this one. And this one. <laughs> Ooh, this, uh, this, this nullifies yours and does, I don't know. Can I also ask though, guys? Were you fooled? I, I completely was. I won't deny it. Really? I was fooled. Even when the ship was going, I was so in the drama of it because it was so well written. Yeah. That even when the ship was going off, I'm going, but how could they fire the ship without her on? They wouldn't do that. I, and that's the second they take um, down the thing. I'm going, no, it didn't get me for a second. I was like, that's that's talent. Yeah. Like, yeah, play. Had, had previously said last week that we expected Talent to use the cloak in some way. I, so. I did. I just got so lost in the drama, genuinely. Yeah. I think that was it. I was just so invested in the moment. I was like, but they've killed her. How do, oh, is that how they get to is that she no, takes a place on a mission or something? I thought maybe it was the other way around. Um, no, that's brilliant. Again, if it works, and it's another one of them, like, I, it didn't fool me, but that didn't affect my enjoyment of that whole yeah. sequence yeah. at all. I was like, ah, see what they're doing here. And yeah, I, I was kind of really pleased to be fooled. It was just so such a yeah. wonderful moment when she dropped, and it's like I got that emotional hit. It was just wonderful. Again, usually having watched so much Star Trek as you guys have, and like and other sci-fi's, you get used to the tropes. But this, I don't know, just just something I got caught up in the moment. It was brilliant. You were very tired. You know, you'd have a long day at the the pool. I didn't care. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed being fooled. You know, it's like do you, do no, you that's, it's, it's good when you do get fooled when yeah. you do. Yeah. Do you, do you watch Pantera Fullest? Because people say, like, yes. there's, there's some people who misget it that, like, they 
don't want to be fooled like they want to get them because they feel no they enjoy being fooled because it's a sense yeah. of wonder that they really yeah. get from magic now yeah yeah, well, exactly. They do magic and the cat work out how they've done this one yeah. trick. It's, With Penn and Teller, yeah. it must be amazing because they know, you know, they know all the tricks. They've invented half the tricks, you know, for it to yeah. for it and to get you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, absolutely. Uh, so Rios stops the drones then, and we get the scene. Picard gets to hold Talon as she dies. She does take the cloak off. And he says, look up to her, which has been sort of a motif for the season, hasn't it? Yeah. Nice. And she talks about how be- beautiful this girl was and, like, that yeah. that such um, innocent love that she had for this person who she shepherded through their life, like, kind of like a parent. And it was just, mm-hmm. it was, it was such a beautiful moment. It really, like, I'm getting instead just thinking about it. I thought it was just it's so not, uh, It reminded me a little bit of... Um, Snape's death in Harry Potter, because famously, it, sorry, spoilers for the last Harry Potter book, if anyone's not read it, um, and you probably shouldn't now, or at least don't buy a new copy, but anyway, that's, a whole, that's a whole other conversation. Uh, but Snape says to Harry at the last moment, he says, look at me, because Harry's eyes are his mum's eyes, and Snape was in love with his mum. And I almost got a bit of that from Talon, where she's like, oh, Rene had such beautiful eyes. And it's like, but I'm looking in your eyes now, Jean-Luc, you know. (laughs) (laughs) It's not as in your face, but I've just got a little bit of a a vibe of that. Uh, But yeah, that was all really good. The only thing, if we were being really, 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 really nitpicky, we could argue that there's a little bit of that Indiana Jones type thing, you know, the the whole, well, if Indiana Jones hadn't been there, the same thing would have happened. Like, Picard doesn't actually actively do anything to make this launch go through. Talon does it all on yeah. Picard. She does everything leading up to it, though, to allow that to happen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There is, it, there is still a thing that if he was removed, it wouldn't work out as it no, was. And she also, she, he also got Talon to, to take the chance. And Yeah, his previous yeah. actions, certainly, but just in terms of the actual... In, this actually yeah. like, beaming in with now, her, he doesn't he, actually do anything. He doesn't, but again, that's not Picard's story, as we're well, about to discover. Picard, well, well, that's, but yeah. that's good that the... Like, that's good that it does... Just because the show's called Picard, yeah, yeah. it doesn't have to do everything. Discovery can take a lesson from this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's called Discovery, but it's Burnham, basically. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought, actually, it does... You've just made me realise something I didn't think about before. It ties into motif of the episode as well, because this episode's all about um, who you care about and not dying alone. So maybe yeah. the reason he was there is so she didn't die alone. That yeah, was his only person being there. Yeah. And that, oh, Jesus, that's beautiful. Like, I didn't spot this before, and it no, ties in I with the end of the episode. Exactly like that. But, yeah, Picard does a lot of comforting people so they don't die alone this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The rocket, then, and, you know, I just want to mention this. I, it's just the attention to detail because there is a tendency at the moment by billionaires to make rockets look like penises. And this one doesn't look unlike a penis. There's a. It looks like the SLS, actually. There, there, there is a. How to describe it? Helmet-like motif at the top of this rocket, and I feel like that's a deliberate reference to certain I thought, rockets. I, thought, I think it looks very much like the SLS, which is what the rocket NASA has been working on. For. Yeah. 
also and worth noting because we're long. in our because we're all in our forties and fifties here. Our penises are about that color by now, so it's, it's, it's accurate. It's only ways to our experience. Maybe a little less smooth, but you know, apart from that, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and, sorry. And, that's right. Sorry, right, you know what I mean. Honestly, okay. you can't take him anywhere. I know. I know. I know. Soon, oh. then gets his comeuppance oh. because he sees a video of Rene from the ship. And that's his moment of realizing, yep, yeah, they got me. Yeah, they filled me. I made a mess of that. And then he pulls out the project can file. Well, oh, that's that's good. After everything gets Sorry, Corey, Corey deletes everything. So he, all his work. Oh, and that's why the scene which is just coming up is so beautiful. Because otherwise you'd be like, well, he'd just track it down and kill her. Like, but it answers that before you can ask it. It does, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and he, he pulls out the Project Can file. Now, a couple of things about this, because I think we're going to talk about this a little bit more when we get to Strange New Worlds, because I think we've we've done a retcon here. But when I first saw it, I was like, oh, Project Can, but Can should have already happened in the 90s. So is he pulling out an old project that he worked on before and he's thinking it, of going back to it, it does but, look like an old file. And it does say um, funded in 1996, so they have done a callback to that. Oh, nice. But, I didn't notice that. But I also feel like what they're doing is recontextualising that now and going, no, can actually happened in the early yeah. 2020s now. But I love the idea that it was funded in 96, so they yeah, can so technically it go, it was it was happening in 96, yeah. even though it wasn't happening. It's yeah. a nice little uh, reference and to it, anyway. I think we'll we'll talk about it when we get to the history sequence in Strange New Worlds, because I think that gives us a lot more detail. But So we'll just put a pin in that for the moment. But yeah, it's a nice detail, having the calm thing. And then we get the big, big, big unexpected cameo. Unexpected, that is unless you follow Will Wheaton on social media and lived in any part of the world other than America, because unfortunately... The say episode died. Yeah, uh, unfortunately mm -hmm. for international viewers, he wanted to get ahead of the story because it had already been leaked and put up his own feelings about it, which I can totally understand. In, in all uh, fairness, doesn't he still do that online show as well, which is directly after yeah. it? So we would have been does, talking about it. Uh, so, But yeah, but you can choose not to watch that. Whereas That's just true, but he probably no, felt but, like then everyone else would run with something but, that he no, wants that, to announce himself. Yeah, I'm going to be reasonable about it here. He didn't tweet anything until after the episode had aired. No, exactly. It's one of them unfortunate like, I knew that I wasn't going to watch this until five, six o'clock at night because I'm working. Yeah. So I knew it had already been Ed. I'm sensible enough with things like that mm -hmm. not to go on social media on yeah. YouTube until I've watched it. It's not difficult. And also, you do get, like, even if these stars aren't in it from other shows, sometimes Star Trek, like, actors go, oh, love this moment in this episode. Yeah, you know, yeah. they tweet about yeah. other treks because they, they feel part of that family. So, yeah. And that was the thing. Yeah. And, and, like, I absolutely love that we get Wesley Crusher again. And 
Even more so, I've just read um, Will Wheaton's new book, um, Still Just a Geek, which I think has been out a month or so. And reading that, he talks so eloquently and so in-depth about how he felt about Wesley at the time and how he feels about him now and how much it means to him. And literally having finished that book a day before this episode airs, I was just absolutely made up for the guy. I was like, he he will be so over the moon that he got to reprise this character in a way that was nice, that worked. And another thing, just one of those little bits of serendipity in the world, like he talks about in his book how his scenes were cut from Nemesis, uh, apart from you can see him in the long shots at the wedding table. But and you know he was a bit he was a bit pissed off at the time, but he, at the end of the day, he was like you know I understand why you have to cut things in films and fair play. But it's one of those. Had they not cut that scene, because in that scene with Wesley, they say, "Oh, Wesley, you've rejoined the academy and you're no longer a traveller," and blah blah blah. The fact that they cut that scene twenty years ago means he gets to do this, which is yeah. so better. So it's just a <laughs> also. I just want to add to that as well. I love that, not that he isn't doing a wonderful acting performance, but it feels like it's almost like uh, it's Will Wheaton being Will Wheaton, but it, yes. it works for the character yeah. as well. Like, because he's got this natural kind of like very poised kind of delivery style. He mm -hmm. delivers everything very factually and slows it down and talks in this way, which is really interesting, but, but really ornate. Enthusiasm to. Yeah. I, and that that was totally in the performance. I, I kind of loved that. It just felt like it fit Wesley it was, now yeah, or the it, Traveller now, but it didn't, um, yeah. Yeah, and again, I might be reading more into it just because I have just read, like, his life story. So, But I, I do feel like this is Wesley, but dashed through with a bit of Will Wheaton because, you know, yeah. Will, Will Wheaton himself has gone through a lot in his life and it's taken him a long time to get to a place where he's comfortable with a lot of things that have happened in his life. And a lot of what was going on when he was playing Wesley informed that character. And so it feels like Wesley and Will Wheaton himself have been liberated and I think you get that in his performance and I think it, it's lovely. I'll even throw out a couple of other parallels here. So you've got the fact that... Uh... Picard Patrick Stewart has grown up so much over the years. Patrick Stewart's talked very openly about his uh, 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 experiences as a child with his dad being abusive and with uh, all these other things which he's gone through which have fed into the this re this version of Picard. And it fits that Picard and Patrick Stewart have, have grown up in the same kind of ways about these things. And then you've got Will Wheaton. Uh, I love the fact that not only, yeah, does it do that for him, but also... I like the idea that because we do get those long shots in um, mm. Nemesis of him there in uniform, I love the idea that will we like, uh, sorry, Wesley, and now he's the tra uh, traveler. Still, he made the time out of his schedule, which involves saving the universe on a daily basis to go, no, no, my friends are getting married, though. I still yeah, have commitments. Yeah. <laughs> and he came back and, and the idea that he came back and stuff the uniform, I think is well, parallel to you, I think that's a parallel to um, Q going in in yeah. captain's uniform every time. Yeah. So Wesley's like, well, I will use this as an ironic <laughs> nod to, to Q. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think you can even headcanon that into it. You can. I mean, I always assumed once that scene was cut, I always assumed, no, Wesley became a traveller. He's still a traveller. He's obviously just yeah. boxing for wedding. And I, I was glad they cut that scene because... 
I mean, you know, we've slated Nemesis for a number of things, but the writer of Nemesis, and this has been said by other people other than me, didn't care for Star Trek continuity, which is why you get things like Worf suddenly back in Starfleet, even though he was the Klingon ambassador, even though it had made loads of sense for the Klingon ambassador to be there on a mission to Romulus. But never mind, we'll just put him... And yeah. I feel like they just did the same thing with Wesley without thinking about, well, what yeah. long-term effect does that have? And it, it's just lovely that that scene got cut, and so we get this, which is awesome. And, yeah, so that's obviously an incredible cameo. And the, the oh. weird thing is, just before I watched it, um, I was talking to Chloe, and I said, oh, I'm going to watch the Picard finale. And she said, oh, is it the last ever one? I said, oh, no, there's another season. Uh, and they're bringing back the next-gen cast. Uh, and I says, oh, apart from Will Wheaton, uh, because he's a traveller now, so there's no way they could bring Wesley back. And then after I finished the episode, I said, you know, when I said there was no way they could bring Wesley back. <laughs> I also did love the fact that he goes, um, she goes, who are you? And he goes, oh, that's a long story. She goes, oh, I've got nothing in time. He goes, well, once I was called Wesley Crush, and now I'm a traveller. That wasn't that long a story. No, <laughs> really? yeah. It didn't take that long out of my day. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's more to like, it, but yeah. yeah. It just made me laugh. Like, I think there is a, a real big trick in this one. They could have had another nice Easter egg, because, like, when she he starts telling her about uh, what he does, and she goes, you're kidding. She should have gone, shut up. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yes, the famous shut up. <laughs> yeah, she said shut up. You could have done it in a different style, yeah, yeah. but with the volume gone, yes. But you also have the, the moment at the end where he beams out, and it's like it's a very kind of um, iconic Star Trek beam out. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. I love the fact that he as a traveler uses something familiar to him to represent what's happening, even though it's not yeah. a beam. It's just, well, it, it's it might be a beam, see, so it might not. It, she may not have the power yet. It might have yeah. to do something well, to it. No, but the traveler could take Wesley. As a traveler, or is he recruiting her as a watcher? I think you. Well, he said, "Welcome to the Travelers," but that could be the name of the, the, the whole organization. And it did sound a bit like they were going to form a folk band. It did. Well, well, that, be up for that. We know well, she can sing. We were talking about this yesterday, me and Jameson. Wouldn't it be nice if we now got a Travelers season as a spin-off? I'd be up for that. Yeah, um, like you do away with the section thirty-one show because I don't think there's anybody who's really interested anymore. But you can still get Michelle Yeoh because she's been sent back in time, so we can yeah. go recruit her as a time traveler from another universe. And it's also very lovely. Yeah, it's, it's it's so lovely as well that um, basically, if it wasn't for the precedent of Gary Seven. I don't know if I'd so easily accept the sort of magical thing of like yeah, someone yeah. watching over someone, but it's already in Star Trek law, so you can get away with yeah, it. Like, you don't there. have to question it. And like, what a great bit of continuity. And it feels a little bit fan fiction y. It feels a little bit like what Greg Cox does a lot in his books, where he takes disparate elements of Trek law and ties them together. But I thought it really worked here. Okay, we've yeah. got Gary Seven and we've got the Observers, we've got the Travelers we're going to say that those two things are one and the same and the travellers are actually in charge of the... Yeah. Uh, the the travellers move through all space and time and yeah. send the watchers to places in and time. It, that means it absolutely works. But it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, but the fact that you've got an episode from 1967 
and then an episode from 1987 when the Traveller was introduced, and somebody's just gone in 2022. You know what? Let, let, let's stick those two things together. <laughs> yeah. It'll just, work. It'll work really well until we'll go yeah. to the office. I just think they're on about, and they've gone, yeah, trust me. Yeah. It, it, it sort of does feel like it should be um, too many kind of callbacks and references, but it just feels like something brand it new. And it, they've if just anything, it neatens it neatens it up. It's like we've got these two separate time traveling things. Let's let's make them one thing, and that'll yeah. yeah. It makes Nothing. it less less messy. We've got less omnipotent time traveling means not beings, which makes sense to um, Gary Seven's cat as well now. Yes, that, that was actually true. probably a traveler that was with him. Yeah, no, no, no. The cat, the cat was one of the watchers. <laughs> no, Gary Seven was a watcher. Yeah, oh, yeah, no yeah, person. Yeah. But it makes sense that the cat now was a traveler. Yeah, the cat could have had more powers. Yeah, yeah have the magic powers. Yeah, the so, cat's actually doing an assessment on him as you yeah. go through that episode. Yeah. <laughs> so my pitch for the next series is, and um, whether they just do it as a limited series, whatever. It's Adam Sung getting involved in Project Khan, creating Khan, the start of the eugenics wars, and in the background you've got Wesley and Corey trying to keep history on track and trying to stop Adam Sung messing it up because he's now got knowledge of the future. Well, like, so, to, be fair, he has, to be fair, he has to uh, have the eugenics wars and create Khan. That's the thing. So you get that brilliant dilemma of the like, no, we we. And you could have Corey going... You've got to have this, but it's got to be brought to an end here. Yeah, so you can have Corey going, well, we can't let him create this guy that's going to subjugate half the Earth. And Wesley's saying, no, we have to, otherwise... Yeah. This <laughs> yeah. But we can't let him do that because he's not... But you can't have 51% of the Earth. We have to stop yeah, exactly. him that. Because so, Wesley says, don't he? He says, we've got to be very careful about where yeah. we intercede. And the same thing was... Um... Uh, true in this uh, series, I thought it was really great that uh, again, like like I'm saying, that, that you couldn't just kill Sung because he's mm. his, who, who his ancestors are, if nothing else. So, it, like, not that they are really quick to kill in Star Trek, but it just added that extra complexity, which was really nice. It's not as easy as you can just take out this character and hope time doesn't mind. And and well, Wesley recruiting Corey is actually fixing a problem that Q's created because Q saved her, so she would have died. She should die in this timeline. Yeah. So mind you, taking her out of the timeline that she shouldn't be in. That's the thing. It's like, is um, are they repairing something Q did, or did they already know that Q would do this, and they were there to? It, it's oh, it's well, a wonderful kind that, of that's uh, the, the question, but yeah. yeah. Uh, so back to the rest of the gang then. So they're back at Chateau Picard. And I like the fact that they start talking about, well, that's done. We haven't got a ship anymore. We're going to have to live here. So what do we do? Oh, they'd already mentioned earlier, it's like uh, uh, the holes in the wall being the ones which he knew as a kid. That was a lovely yeah. little call. Yeah. So, sorry, just because we're at the Chateau. And so, the, yeah, so they're actually talking about, right, we're going to have to live here. We're going to have to stay out of history's way and everything. And we finally get Seven and Rafi kissing, which I said last week, come on, just give her a kiss. And she it was a nice it, one. And they do now. So at least them two seem to have reconciled a little bit. And I also like, uh, does this mean we're together? Does it mean we're not? Just, just yeah. let it breathe, Rafi. Just let it breathe. Yeah, I like that Rafi's <laughs> sort of neurosis kicks in and Seven's just like, all right, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, the with the key. So... 
it turns out this is pretty much what the whole season's been about. Is It's the point that Picard chooses to put the key back for himself to find in the future. And that's when Q appears and says, right, you've accepted yourself and everything. And, you know, we were worried about, are we going to understand what Q was doing? And it, for me, it, it absolutely worked. It's this whole yeah. thing has been about getting Picard to go a little bit easier on himself. Yeah, and, you've, and you've been really hard on yourself over this one thing that you ever did. Yeah. That wasn't your fault. And there, yeah. there's always been the suggestion of a warm relationship, like the Q feels something for because they, they joke about it in all good things about like a, it's been rather like a uh, pet and its uh, owner, like yeah. Picard gives the little eyebrow raise, perfect. But it's already been suggested so much. And if Picard can grow in his time, like in all the eons that uh, will have passed for Q in that time, surely he could have. And they they even write the the line, so it's like. Uh, even God can have their favourites, not favourites. So, like, yeah, I yeah. like to think that, that we're going to see a book someone's going to write where he visits Janeway first before he cuts. Yeah, out. yeah, that's going to happen. See <laughs> or Mariner. We got the impression that he knows Mariner quite well in that episode yeah. of Lower Decks that he appeared. So. And he's also going to pick, like, uh, go to um, uh, to Cisco and just stick a finger up and go. Yeah, there, just, you know, <laughs> that's about what their relationship deserved. It's going to be like when David Tennant regenerated and he went to see all of his companions before he oh. actually came to it. Don't so. stop me on that one. Don't stop me on that one. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Oh, I'm regenerating. I'm dying. I've got about like a, a week, though, to visit all my previous companions. Don't worry about it. Isn't there a novelization of it? And he actually goes and sees every single companion, not just yeah. David Tennant. So. If like there he, is, I did not read it, and I, I feel like it would only anger me further. Well, I believe there is, and I believe that's what happens in the in the novelization is that he absolutely every single one. Like you can't uh, take anything away from the uh, first RTD era, as it will have to be here henceforward. No, known. Yeah, but you can't take anything away from. However, he did like to indulge his kind of more um, florid side of storytelling sometimes, and I think that's yeah, one think of the not the best examples. I think they've done that with all the the modern doctors. They've all had like a big speech to make. I, w I wouldn't mind one of them just dying, and you know that's well, it. The, the thing I liked about the um, the one with Matt Smith was he had that big regeneration moment on yeah, the doctor. Then he had a like had his little speech, and then it was yeah. kind of a snap regeneration. So he kind of got yeah, the best good. of both worlds. I thought that was well done. Yeah. Anyway. So yes, back to Q then. So yeah, I love the oh. fact that he is just giving Picard a gift. He's like, I'm dying alone. I don't want you to. And so that almost, like you said, it's penance. Picard is paying penance for his own guilt. And yeah. it's also about forgiveness. And he said, it's not about the trap itself. It's about how you solve it. So this being Q, he knows that he can't just tell Picard, you need to forgive yourself for this. He needs to physically put him into a situation where he'll have to work through it. <laughs> and it, was, it was both. It was both for him to work through it. And plus, Q loves his little games. He just does. Yeah, like, yeah. if he's going to die, he's going to have a little bit of a prank with him. <laughs> I, I think there's certainly a side of that. I love that even though, you know, we're, we're humanising Q to a, a large degree here, there is still an edge to him, like where they say, oh, well, so many people have died. And he goes, eh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And and even like, if you go back to the Robin Hood episode in Next Generation, like, I think genuinely Q was trying to teach him something about love. And like, even though oh, we yeah. may not agree with his message, I think that was so genuine. 
and so there's so much precedent for this now, but you couldn't have done this earlier in their relationship. It had to be you now. And like Absolutely. even in all good things, there was a bit of warmth, but it wasn't to this degree. You know, you no. couldn't picture them hugging at the end of all good things. But it fit beautifully here. Beautifully. Yeah, absolutely. And but that's it. It's like you've got to assume between all good things and and here that there have been other encounters with Q because Rappi knows yeah. who he is. I thought um, Rappi was like Picard's first off. I, I assume Rappi had just read the briefings. I thought. Uh, Picard had said something at some point that he hadn't seen him for all these years, wow. yeah, Except, like in the earlier in the series. So Thank I think you. it has. I think it has been since all good things to know, right. which again and sort of adds the poignancy of like why is he like he says at the beginning. He's like, uh, I haven't got time for your bullshit now. <laughs> like it's yeah, <laughs> he's so much older, he can't be bothered with this. But he is still been popping around, seeing other people, just not necessarily. Yeah. Uh, well, he, he does because he sees Mariner and Mariner's, yeah. and that's set after, yeah. Lower Decks is set after Next Gen. So that's the thing, this might be the last Q and Picard story, but it doesn't mean it's the last time we'll see John Deladzi as Q. No. Um, no, I, and I, I think I, I will give a pitch, in, a, in the, there's a scene coming up where I've got a pitch for right. why I don't think Q's dead. Oh, and um, so, yeah, so basically, Q's going to send them all home, but he'll take up all of his power. Rios does decide to stay. And I feel like, you know, people are saying, oh, well, they don't care about the timeline, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like the little exchange that he has with Q justifies it because um, this he says, oh, time's a funny thing. And Q says, yes, it is. And I feel like that's Q saying it's okay for you it's to okay stay. It's okay for you no, to stay. Oh, oh, but no, to stay. let me complete that, though, because he says, like, uh, yes, it is. He goes, interesting. Oh. I think that interesting is speaking to, because there's nothing which pays off that interesting. They don't say to they refer to what the interesting thing is. I think, him saying, I think him saying interesting is something like is a clue to like the fact that it's accused thought of something in that moment and then when he dies you don't see him die i, I feel like if he was definitively yeah. dead it's like we actually get we get the proof right at the end with gainan's story and rios had to stay yeah rios did have to yeah. stay in the past i yeah. agree with rios yeah, yeah um, so and I, I, rios is actually part of the timeline from here yeah you're um, right they've part of the timeline and they've done what they've done all the way through this series of perfectly nailing what I didn't like in the first series. Like, Reyes wasn't that objectionable, but I didn't really get why I just didn't take to him. But I realised all they showed in the first series was his roguish side. You never got any other side to him. And this totally pays off the humanity underneath. He even refers back to it goes, look, I was living in a ship with six different holograms on my side. Yeah, Probably not helping. Yeah. yeah. And that really shows how they fleshed him out so much better here. Like, again, yeah. um, he still plays the rogue a little bit, but you've got the person behind it, and that's what they just didn't show us in the first series. Yeah, I mean, and you're right, Q's saying interesting. It does create a little escape hatch if they ever want to, to bring I just him think back. there's something in that. There's just something that yeah. didn't quite feel like it was Q's death. Like, it is beautifully played so that you can get an emotion from it. But there was no actual death, and there was a few lines he said which were just like, mm, are you saying something that I think you're saying there? And, I yeah, I love I the fact that Picard gives him a hug, and he says, no, you're not going to die alone. And 
he gives him a hug and Q says, see you out there and calls him. And that's the sort of, well, does that mean Q is still going to see him? (laughs) I I take that as him saying, I'll see you in the afterlife, you know, whatever comes next, we'll, we'll see each other there sort of thing. But you see, my pitch for this is that it's going to be like I was saying this to you, James, uh, like or both of you in the group. It's like I think the next one is going to be the the search for Q. Like you're going to get the next generation crew together <laughs> in an ironic search to find Q. And I think because because we, we also don't know why he was dying. There was never addressed why he was dying or what um, the rest. It of just Q said that it, there was sort of that the move. It felt like he was moving on to another plane, a higher plane. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like it, but they never addressed why that was yeah. happening. What's happened with the rest of the queues? I think that's too open to not. Maybe I mean, for me, I mean, it's... I won't be sore if they don't go further. But no, for me, it's satisfying as it is. But if they do do something really clever and amazing with it, I'm up for that. But um... I'm the same. well, it's got to be clever and amazing. Yeah, it has. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so... they've won me that trust this season. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, back to the stargazer then. And yeah, the revelation: Gerati's the Bob Queen. She looks a little bit like Robocop. Yeah, yeah I didn't I, love the I, way I, they did her face. I didn't love it. It's the headpiece. Yeah, it didn't look great at no. all. She's she's obviously her head's so obviously CGI'd on. It just doesn't look. That was weird. it. It's like why haven't you just done prosthetics? That's yeah. that's really weird. Um, yeah, and yeah we, it turns out she's trying to stop a big wormhole thing. Transwarp um, conduit. Which, yes, which turns yeah. out transwarp conduit. And this is obviously severely undercooked, but we're going to come back to this. This is your hook for season three. I sure. would hope so, but it was just like, it was like 10 minutes of a lot of things which just didn't really get explained. And yeah, like you say, it's probably leading to season three, but it felt a bit unsatisfying after such a She says, oh, it's, it's just a piece of a bigger puzzle and everything. But um, yeah, you that- suddenly get. So I was just going to say, you suddenly get her um, appearing there. They suddenly have this anomaly, which we've had no prior knowledge of. You get Picard and the rest of the kind of crew just going, it's like, yeah, oh, it's oh, it's her. So brilliant. We'll trust her. No one else is going to question that at all. The fact that you're just handing over that entire fleet over to the Borg. That seemed a bit like well, not one person in the fleet's going to go, hang on a minute. Sorry. I mean, like, this is the you- Borg room. They do kind of acknowledge that. They say that's why it had to be Picard, because they needed someone who was an admiral who had the authority to yeah. go, right. I know, to- but like Picard's just got back into Starfleet, basically, and suddenly mm. he's ordering around this uh, fleet. And again, no one in any of those ships goes, hang on a minute, poor Queen, sorry, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Again, I'm I, all- I, just, I think there's sort of like a bit of, a bit of time jumping in, in here that we're not seeing on screen. And I don't think it actually did a good job of portraying that this time passing because it's almost like this reveal lights Girati is the Borg Queen. And a minute later, they've got to stop this wormhole. And I think there's little time jumps that should have been. Sorry, it, it did play like it was real time. But, but yeah, that, that may be the case. Yeah, also, there should have been like, time jumps sort of like, right, here's Girati. And right, this is what I need. Mm. But um, you're cutting it really close if you need to go now, literally this one minute. <laughs> Very. I'd true. also like to reference something that I called out in previous episode. For some mm. reason, she started calling him Mr. Every other word, and I thought it sounded out of place. It was just to call it back here. They did this on purpose. But it's like, it seems so forced at the time I spot it, and it's like, 
I don't think they did the best job, and it just mm. annoyed yeah, me because it was. I, I I even clocked the moment when they used it every other sentence in one episode. They, <laughs> it's not really used before or after. Yeah, they needed like a vocal tick that could assure us that this is Girati. So yeah, yeah. use something um, which is already there. Don't be like. Yeah, I don't think there was anything there that could have been so. Or at least start it in the first episode. Then and strictly speaking, in the first season, he wasn't stifling. It would be Mr. Picard. True, yeah. I'm just saying yeah. it's it's more annoying than when um when he gets called um uh, JP. I don't like J- that. JL. JL, sorry, JL. JL. Yeah. Yeah. Um and Elnor's alive, so that's Q's last gift. So that's yeah. Nice. And yeah, the, that was the his bo- little bit of extra power cost Rios to go back. Nice. Yeah. And the Borg are gonna temporarily join the Federation. Um, yeah, which Picard's just got the authority to just go, yeah, sure, why not? I, again, it seems a little bit... It's probably one of them. It's kind of like on Dragon's Den where they go, okay, we'll do the deal. But then after the show's finished filming, you get all the lawyers in <laughs> and you make sure that this is actually legit before you actually give them your money. So I reckon it's, yeah, okay, you can be in the Federation. Is, well, again, it, maybe you could have just given me a second for one line. Doing- Preliminary yeah. membership, just so we can stay here guarding, and that makes All sense. All I was asking is, like, just one line going, it's like, well, I might have to get... Um, yeah, we might have to talk about it, to sign it, up but... on that. But for now, I'm sure we can allow it, yeah, you know, it just, just some day. little... I do love the way they save the day, because there's nothing more Star Trek than the fact that these enemies and this whole fleet come together not to create a big weapon to blow something up, but to create a shield to protect everyone. Yeah. And I think that's brilliant. I mean, there's certainly a lot to recommend it, but it's just like, just, I, I don't know, I guess like where we've just had this so satisfying joined up so, story, it felt like just 10 minutes of almost it, like another it show. It like an epilogue, yeah. That's yeah. really. Um, and Seven gets a field promotion and becomes the captain for a minute, which is nice because it pays off sort of a little bit of an arc we've had for Seven. And, yeah, and then we're back at 10 forward discussing it with Guinan, and like Elliot said, she's got a picture of Rios. She's like, well, you're not very observant. I've had this yeah. years. Yeah, you're clever, you're clever, but you're not observant. Yeah, that was good. It's always yeah. been there. Oh, it's a lovely warm scene as well. I really love that. Yeah, it's really felt, nice. All right. And, uh, just the well, idea they became buddies and that they hang out, and like it's well, almost like I don't I'm, feel like you need it, but it's almost like you could do a, a series of that of what they got up well, to. Yeah. This is where I say Rios needed to stay back in 2024. Yeah, yeah he's obviously because he's influenced the Doctor's son mm. to gather all these great people to do something brilliant and save the world. Yes, yeah. and I don't think the Doctor's son. Would have done that if she'd just stayed working in that clinic. She would have gone on this uh, doctor for humanity thing all over the world. Yeah, and I've got to admit they kind of sold it pretty well. I wasn't sure I felt about his movement, but I, 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 I did like it. The idea that he dies in a bar fight, chomping a cigar because he died how he yeah, is. Yeah, and like that's quite under Star Trek, but it kind of works in this in this instance. Yeah. And I like the sort of hint that Gaiman says that it's sort of her and Rene and Rios and Teresa all became mates for a while. Yeah, and and he got, well, he does. He, he says, um, I can't remember the doctor's son's name. No, I can't. But, like, she goes, yeah, he's Auntie Rennie, uh, what she brought yeah. back from Europa. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So and, she's, and, but she'd obviously and, seen Rios at the gala. Yeah. So he's, she, he's maybe made a point of seeing her afterwards. Yeah, they all down afterwards. And, she, and she's realised what's going on. 
like you say, she has to see talent engage the cloak on her face, so she does believe that it's from the future and all this stuff going on. Yeah, and you've also got the kind of like uh, just lovely thing of uh, Guinan, of course exists across um so many centuries so of course she's had all these lives so it just allows for her to say yeah we had a great life together i had a yeah. great time being such close friends with people. <laughs> yeah it's really beautifully nice. so nice and um yeah picard then we finish goes back to laris and it's implied that they're gonna rekindle what might have been there at the start of the season which yeah, is, I we think didn't get the kiss. We should have had a kiss between them two at the end. Yeah, yeah, probably. that's what I did miss. I, I thought, like, yeah, he has this big breakthrough moment. He's gone through so much. Oh, by the way, just a quick nod. I did love also the fact that he's coming back with his uh, nice glass of red and then gets a shot for Elnor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this is a TV thing because they do try seem to try and avoid having older people kissing, and it's like, oh, come on, we're all grown-ups. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, and this whole story has been about him being emotionally open, so Kiss yeah. would have been a brilliant expression of that. I, Maybe they're saving it for next season. Um, but talking of next season then, the, there's been a lot come out about the cast and everything like that. Obviously, we know the next-gen cast are coming in. Um, Alison Pills said that Girati, she won't be appearing next season. Elnor said he's not going to be in next season. Soji said she's not going to be in next season. And to okay, I can't see Rios being in next season. No, Rios isn't. So I could see Rios and Girati, but having said that, if Girati's there as like the a gatekeeper, we need to see Girati. Soji not being in makes sense because right at the beginning we had her off on a diplomatic stuff. Yeah. But again, I won't mind her cropping up in a guest role. Yeah, I I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm guessing when they say they're not in it, I'm going to guess that they're not in it main, but I reckon they're all going to get cameos. Well, they're they've, have all ways said, of... they've all said that emphatically not in it at all, but whether it's misdirection, I hope it's misdirection, because I, yeah. I definitely think Elnor deserves another crack at the way. After but the fact been. that he was, yeah. he was in it so less, I think the way they managed to weave everyone else into dual roles and stuff, I think that was probably a work commitment. So that's Maybe probably so. why he's not available for the next well, one. Because with a three-series arc, you've got to look thing. at the next step that you're going to do. As you I think that's what we have been able to get into all the filming. Yeah, yeah I think there's 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 that's going on. Well, that's quite possible as well. Where they could. But I, I, but I wonder it, if some some other bit of work came up maybe during the, I don't know. It just seems like uh, as he's a younger actor, he's got his career ahead of him. So he's got to look yeah. to what happens after a three series order, you know? Yeah. You know, I, I just think it'd be a shame if all them characters are done for yeah. now. And I think we're finding out with the expansion of the Star Trek universe that no one's necessarily done, you know, they, they can appear in other it, places. Yeah, and, spin-offs and Alex Kurtzman talks about just doing an anthology where anybody can pop up any episode. So we may I, I also think probably they they are at the point where they're going it's like uh, yeah we're gonna provide money for all these next generation legacy crew and uh, we've got all these paychecks yeah here. maybe fair, think out a little bit with these stories I, which are kind of finished. I'd love yeah. an anthology series. I yeah. because a lot of these loose end episodes that we've had and all that and like, the traveller's been answered now, but if we haven't had that, you could have an anthology one just to show a little bit of what happened with Wesley. Yeah. And that, and there's loads of these sort of bits where 
we haven't got answers to what's happened after. And you could just have, and they probably only need one episode to... Yeah, yeah, definitely. Bring back Voyager for the final episode they should have had back on Earth and how yeah, they climatized. Actually, yeah. Um, so overall then, I mean, I thought the finale delivered in just about every conceivable way. Yeah. I think it's been a fantastic season of TV. It's shown what you can do with a serialised Star Trek show yeah it's a very high bar for season three it, uh, it's set a high bar for every for the rest of star trek yeah action i'll also give you the fact that uh series three season three was uh filmed back to back with season two gives me a lot more hope so if it's the same production crew yeah we're, well, we're happy also, days like these guys have made that. that when it shot back to back that all these Cast members are going, no, we're definitely not in season three. Well, that you makes shut you... it back to back. <laughs> well, yeah, but that makes you wonder, makes is, is it a deliberate story decision that, okay, we're going to wrap up their acts in season like, two so that we can focus on other things season three? As, as much as I enjoy a Rios cameo, that seemed like the perfect ending for him. Yeah, so Rios, yeah. I'm happy with yeah. him. Rios, I'm happy with him. He's, and Soji, I felt like there. her story was already over yeah. in series one. Whereas yeah, at the absolutely. beginning where they go, she's off on a book tour, I felt like there's no rare yeah. really else to know that. We, the character that they brought in for this time would let her go off as a traveller, which is a yeah. nice end for her. Yeah. Uh, Elnor would have been nice, but again, I just get, I don't know, I've got a feeling maybe the quarantine I'm sure did play a part, but also I reckon he's good. Yeah, I'd like to see Raffian 7, and notably they've not said that they're not appearing, so um, we'll see. So should we move on to Strange New Worlds then? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, are we all done I think for now. Oh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. It's been a really, really excellent season, and the finale didn't disappoint no i it delivered it delivered pretty much everywhere we wanted it to Mm-hmm. The only thing I'm just going to add is that that the um, we've talked a lot about what Patrick Stewart got to do in this, but John Delancey, some of the uh, notes he's got to play that he yeah. hadn't had the opportunity before. There's a bit where Picard hugs him, and it's Picard hugging him to begin with, and it's just a second of him feeling the power of that hug before he hugs yeah. back. It's if you notice as well, those beautiful though, moments. John Delancey, how he's hugging Picard. John Delancey's almost got that parent look, like he is hugging a child. Mm. Yeah, but there's a second before but, he returns but, the hug, well, which is just that's just, that's like the cube being godlike. Mm. That, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to hug you, but I'm your parent hugging you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just think he, he seemed very surprised by the hug in a moment. I think it just did. seemed like, beautiful. It seemed, I, seemed beautiful. I think Q genuinely did this for altruistic reasons. It wasn't a setup to go, I'm going to make it so you don't die alone so that you can make it so I don't. And I think yeah. he was genuinely moved by the fact that Picard was like, no. Yeah. Yeah, it was almost like he wasn't considering his own death in that moment. He was considering returning them home and he's dying yeah. in the process as opposed to his death being the thing yeah. that's primarily happening yeah. here. And Picard brought it back to him and like, you're not dying alone. Isn't that the point? Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Um, great stuff. Um, so, Strange New Worlds then. And, yeah, it had a lot to live up to after that Picard finale. But, I, again, I think this is really solid, r- some really good stuff. And I think, crucially, it's exactly what everybody's been saying they've wanted. So if the people who've been complaining that we want old-style Star Trek back, 
we want mission of the week, we want this, we want that. This is exactly what you asked for. So there's like, much complaining about it. Like a lot of the fandom menace have I've got rid of even seeing the stuff now. But there's a couple still pop up on me feeds and all that. And but they have been saying this is the star this is Star Trek. They've been into it, so they have come round. The, the ones who've been complaining have actually come round. Well, and I think they, I think they back themselves yeah, into a corner good. that if they didn't come round. Oh, they'll find some at the moment. I, I, I did love the. said anything, but he's just a dickhead. I, there, there are there are a few bits which I've got some issues with, but overall, I love the tone. Did feel like very original Star yeah. Trek. Yeah, can, I can no argument with that whatsoever. I've got a few issues, but nothing major. No, I, I've got one major major one, and, and, and like it's a good place any to to jump in. Yeah. Uh, and it's something which I've raised uh, when we saw um, Mr. Peck in um, in Discovery as Spock. Mm-hmm. I think they over-emotionalized the Vulcans. They've made them sassy in this one, especially. It did not sit for me. I, I think that I cannot imagine, like, like, I'm not saying that they have to deliver exactly how Len Nimoy would, but I could not picture Len Nimoy Spock delivering any of these lines, really. Oh, I don't know. I thought... Well, not many of them. Certainly not in the earlier bit where you got him and his uh, fiance. Yeah, Tabring was very sassy. That is true. Yeah, yeah. and, and they were sassy. we've seen something of uh, Vulcan culture that we've never been exposed to before. And it is actually another part of the mating ritual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, I mean, because in the bits we have seen, they certainly don't seem as sassy and they don't seem as, yeah. like, one-linery. And there was... Like, it's a bit later on in the episode, but there's a line where um, he goes, like, uh, just for the record, I'm not a fan of this. And it's like, that's 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 an emotional human line. That's not a Vulcan yeah. line. Yeah. I, I did not appreciate the take on Vulcans in this. To be fair, in the cage, yeah, Spock does it. it yeah, he does. That's true. a lot more yeah, emotion than what we've seen later on. So maybe you're seeing a bit of that where he hasn't uh, really embraced his Vulcan. It's the last his human self comes out. Yeah. Which does fit in with canon. That is more emotional at this period. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, I enjoy Ethan Peck's performance and I can see a I lot. Do. <laughs> I like his performance. His acting, I'm not having an I issue with. It's a writing for me, sorry. I should, should I, clarify. I can see a lot of Zachary Quinto's performance in him, um, which is not a bad thing. But yeah, so this episode then, we start with Una giving a voiceover, which we later find out is a log. And you get this thing of, it looks like present day Earth, but it's not. It's actually an alien planet, and there's a Federation ship there. Uh, It's a nice cell. And then we cut to Pike, who's watching The Day the Earth Stood Still, which is interesting. The Day the Earth Stood Still is about an alien species that make first contact expressly to interfere with the development of a culture because they want to stop us blowing ourselves up. And that obviously ties in very much to what we get for the rest of this episode. So I thought that was a a clever little nod. And Pike's, I don't know if it's his girlfriend or whether it's a casual thing, but I like the fact that she's like, oh, you're not watching this again. 
Yeah, that was nice. I well, like that, the uh, right from the start. You, you've got that feeling of uh, Pike the thing and where she says you're not watching this again makes it so that it's not just casual. That it's someone they that yeah, is true. that is familiar with. Yeah, well, it's like I, I get the feeling it's a, a really good fr- friends with benefits, maybe a little. Yeah, that's you know, the, they, they do have I get the impression that it's like the the both in Starfleet, the captains to go off on missions. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to have a, a normal relationship with yeah. someone outside of Starfleet. They don't. They both captains, so they don't want the relationship on the ship because mm-hmm. that can produce complications. Mm-hmm. They get back to Earth. If they're at Earth at the same time. That's when they hook up. You've just explained friends with benefits. That's all you've yeah. done. In other words, but, yeah, yeah. But it, to me, it makes perfect sense as them both being captains. That this is no, what I do, do, I do, I do, and I, I just thought the yeah, the the intimacy and the way it was played was just really nice. It's yeah, like, you don't feel like you had to over-explain it to get like I think we've all picked up on what that relationship is. Yeah, yeah. I, thought, I thought this was a good sort of reintroduction to Pike, like. We don't need to do a lot of the heavy lifting that we usually do in a pilot episode. Is we've had the season of Discovery, we've had we've had we the pilot pilot in 1965. So you know we've had the cage. We yeah. can stick up with him where it is. We've we've had the season of Pike already. I also think think the um, there's a natural sassiness to his delivery of Pike, which seems seems to fit in with the earlier. Uh, the early performance wasn't really that sassy, but it seems to be an, an extrapolation from that performance. But I, I really like that. I, you, know, like, you see, I think he should have been the sassy character. I think they've made too many people sassy, is my opinion. <laughs> in this episode. Pike was was wonderfully sassy. You've got <coughs> Spock being sassy, though, which Spock isn't a sassy character. And he's very of his sassy. Day. That's maybe part of his command style, though, the way that he is, that he's familiar with his crew and says things. That makes sense. Cool. With Pike. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that yeah. fits Pike beautifully. I think it fits him better than it did Spock, for instance, for me. Yeah, uh, with the sequence with Spock, I mean, I think we need to watch a mock time again to see if this contradicts anything we've previously been told, but I, I genuinely can't remember. I know that they were betrothed to each other. As children. Um, so, you know, does this mean... And what's interesting, though, is this is probably seven years before a mock time, so this would be his previous Pomfar, so it makes sense that he's back on Vulcan to get his end away. Um, But a bit that, yeah, didn't quite sit right with me is when Pike radios through and she just goes, oh, hi, Chris. No, he was just about to get naked, and it's like, so... Pike knows Spock's girlfriend, like considering how secretive he is with Kirk, the fact well, that she's on first name terms with Pike just seems a little bit unusual. Well, this is that other thing where in the cage we saw that Spock had was emotional. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he's got on top of his Vulcan side of being closed in. No, it's And that's why he he is still familiar with people and they know a lot more about him. But you see, there's, there's one of two things there. There's either the fact that you, at this time, you're taking away that struggle between his Vulcan and his human heart because he's just being very human. Or along the way, you've got to make him more traditionally Vulcan, which, yeah. like, what? who hurts him to do that? You know what I mean? It's well, just, I don't know. Get the answer to that. Well, that that's what I'm saying. There's, I think that the, I think that the being very true to what we've seen in canon you see, I don't because it's it's not. I just have with... no problem with Spock being with Spock at this time being more emotional than what we saw. Let, let, let me just 
in the original series. My counter-argument to that is, though, they're not just doing it with Spock. If they just did it with him, you could argue that. But they've done it with uh, his dad, was very sassy. He goes, like, play nice. That Falcons don't talk like yeah. like that. You've got uh, his fiance who, like, was certainly portrayed. I know we only saw her in a mock time, but certainly portrayed as a very pie faced, very kind of like withdrawn, very traditional Vulcan. She's now sassy. So every Vulcan sassy, like even like a, perhaps you'd like to take this private summer private. What an excellent idea! It just it's it doesn't feel uniquely yeah, Vulcan in any way. I feel yeah. like it's just it, it loses what that this- race is. This does explain, though, why she goes off with someone else by the time we get to a mock time. It's like they've just got engaged, but he buggers off with Pike as soon as Pike calls. So I can understand yeah, I like that. why she's not feeling fulfilled from Spock. Um, Pike, then, in a shuttle, approaching the Enterprise, doesn't last as long as it does in the motion picture. Well, eight hours. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was it, thinking... It'd be very hard, I think... As much as we'd love to see another hmm. thing like that, I don't think you'd put five or six minutes of flying down the Enterprise yeah. in a TV episode in 45 minutes. It'd have to be a two-part episode, wouldn't it, if we were going to do that? Probably yeah. a three-parter, to be yeah. fair. <laughs> and then we get the first hint really early on. It says, oh, we've requested Lieutenant Kirk, but he's not arrived yet. And I thought this was... A brilliant way to play with expectations because we've all seen the announcement that Kirk's going to be in season two and it makes you think, oh, was that to throw us off the scent and Kirk's actually going to be in season one? But obviously we'll get to that reveal. Yeah, I'll talk about when we get to reveal. I've got got mixed feelings on that. Mm. And This this has opened up another episode I need to watch. Yeah. one thing I didn't expect is that we we keep getting these flashes of Pike seeing his future self. Yeah. I I didn't expect them to lean so heavily into that. And um, just because the thing that everyone responded to so much with Pike when he was in Discovery was the positivity and the energy and the charisma and making him more of a haunted character, I think. Maybe we'll detract from that, but I'm I'm intrigued to see where they go with it. Well, I think they've actually already dealt with a lot of that during this episode. Yeah, yeah, they definitely. I think, like, you've had him where he's obviously been at Kirk's ranch in Montoya (laughs) (laughs) for the last how many ever months it is. Jennifer has been getting refit. Yeah. Sort of brooding. And it does that. The it it's a bit like when they did um, family after best of both yeah, worlds, yeah. where where they were where they took the time to sort of explore what the trauma causes instead of just moving on. Well, and what I'm really happy it has traumatized him. He's not only seen it, and he explains during the episode that he felt what he did yeah. to him. He felt the pain. He didn't just see what happened to him. He felt. It, and it has traumatized him, and it's I, and it's right that the you would feel trauma from that. You wouldn't just move on. No, during during discovery, it was halfway through the mission, and he just got on and finished the mission. I I think what I'd like to see is uh, what what you were kind of leading to, James, is that I like the idea that they're going to continue this on for a few episodes, as opposed to like discovery when they dealt with PTSD. I don't think they really. Like they they did it in 
one episode and then it's better kind of thing. Yeah, it just it didn't feel like really. Well, well hinted that it was obviously a big thing. Yeah, because it had build up, build up, build up, build up, and better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, and I didn't feel like it was satisfying. Hopefully, they've learned that lesson with the way they deal I with Pike's uh, so, yeah. trauma. It seems like that's going to be a runner. Yeah, I also does. love the fact that he he just anyone who asks, it's like, uh, what happened to you out there? Classified. It's classified. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In other words, I just don't want to talk about it. So he does talk. Well, it's classified. <laughs> well, at the time, and yeah. um, he does talk to Spock about it though, because Spock was there, so Spock is part of the discovery yeah. cover-up that's going on. So it's nice that the they are forming that bond with Pike and Spock like we have with Kirk and Spock. And, and that also explains why Spock was willing to go back for Pike in Menagerie yes, and put adds, his uh, career at risk. Yeah, it adds so much to the Menagerie that he's doing this for his captain because he knows that he's had this hanging over him and he wants yeah. to give him a happy ending to his... Yeah, it adds so much to that. It does. I mean, even then, there's moments of like, hope I'm not overstepping. It's like, you're broken. They overstep all the time. Mm. Just enjoy it. <laughs> and I like the La, La, La Noonien Singh character. I think she's really interesting. And I like that already we've got a much better idea of her than we have of any of the supporting Discovery cast. I've been thinking that all week. I've had one episode of Strange New Worlds, and I feel like I don't... Some of the crew are coming in and they're covering roles that I already am familiar with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's new crew members, and I'm sort of, oh, I already know you. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. This was obviously her episode, you know. I mean, obviously, primarily it's a Pike episode, but she's well, we like to, the featured like, guest star, and we do get a lot about her in this episode, which I really like. Yeah, it, but it's been very clever as this episode because we've got a story. Mm -hmm. It's in a two-parter. It's only forty-five minute of every other episodic. Star Trek that we've had, we've had a double a feature-length episode as the pilot. <laughs> yeah, true. So this has done it in 45 minutes. We've been introduced to most of the crew. Mm -hmm. Plus we've had a good story. <laughs> All yeah. wrapped up in 45 minutes. It's a big ass. I, I also think the, the way they did it was because they'd already sort of backdoor piloted it through um, Discovery, it meant you could do a sort of like, a, it's almost like a classic setup for a Star Trek episode. It's like it one of the crew members have been kidnapped. We've yeah. got to go to the rescue. Uh, there's a captain yeah. who isn't sure if he's ready to take the helm again. Like it's 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 a yeah, classic we already, kind of setup. We already know Una who's been kidnapped as the number yeah. one. We already know Spock. We've been introduced to him. We're fully aware what Pike's like. So yeah. you've got the other characters around them. Yeah. And I also love plucky young Uhura. She was fun. Like, she was just yeah, like, was that's good. cool. Like, she's so mousy. And you yeah, know that what a powerful character that becomes. Yeah, the way she's she... And there's a lovely bit where the alien guy's running around the ship and he ends up in a turbo lift. And Uhura starts talking to him about local sports. Yeah. And it... It just shows that, like, yeah, she's into the languages, so she studies the cultures, so she does know. That's why she's got this knowledge, because she's done it. That's why she's called a prodigy, because she's picking it up so quickly. Yeah. She picks up new Which, which is great. It's, you know, much as Ahura and Nichelle Nichols were great in the original series, we didn't get a lot of fleshed-out character with it. It was, yeah, at the time, it was monumental. At the time, it was as much uh, as they could get away with. Exactly. Woman on TV, so, in a main so, role on TV. 
it's nice that we're filling out the character and some of it is sort of informed by what we got in the Kelvin movies, you know, with how amazing a horror is with languages and everything. So I like the, the, the riffing on that and the building on yeah. that. Um, I like that we get a bit of tension between Spock and Latan where it's, uh, go to Red Alert. No, we don't want to go to Red Alert. We get a bit of argy there. And I like that, crucially, Pike sides with her rather than Spock. Yeah, like, Spock gives his reasons and Spock is by the book and Spock... And Spock goes, go to Red Alert, could uh, show us as a, as a threat mm. that we're putting on a militaristic pose. Yeah. And she goes, yeah. no, we've got our crew missing. There's no sign of spacecraft yet. We've got a warp signature down there. Yeah. Go to Red Alert. <laughs> and there's a, a, re- a realness of that moment where, like, uh, the captain does get options from different mm, people yeah. on the bridge, and then he decides the approach like that felt yeah. totally not stepping on anyone or anything it was just no, really nicely done he, he, he listened to his he options to he goes, which is yeah. what picard used to do a lot it, it, it was picard used to go options and he'd listen to everyone yeah and the thing is crucially as well spock is not a first officer at this stage he no. but i wonder he's only the science officer yeah is that going to be a bit of an arc we get for spock that he, he's learning to be a first officer he's not there yeah. yet and uh, that's a, a take on Spock that we've not had, so I'm looking forward to that. And, yeah, so we get the, tw- well, kind of a twist. So it's not a warp drive they've made. It's a warp bomb that yeah. they've made. Yeah. Which, as Spock himself says, we've never had that before, and we've never had that before in Star Trek, so that's yeah. nice. But I like how he goes, how he says he goes, um, we've got the hydrogen bomb. And that's what normally happens when you split the particle, but that didn't that wasn't necessarily where it, the journey could go. Yeah. It's so just that's what what's always happened so far. Mm-hmm. I also love the fact that it sort of speaks to something which some people have said about like um the way the laws are laid down in America specifically and the way they don't cover certain things. And some said it's like, yeah, because they never thought they'd need to have a rule about this. And it felt like that was the same thing with the warp thing. It's like, yeah, whoever thought you needed to have a rule, which meant it's like, but if they do a warp bomb first, you shouldn't give them thing. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah, it's a good no one would have thought to stipulate that. It's a good spin on all the first contact stories we've had before, and it adds a, a sense of urgency to it and a sense of danger to it. And, um, yeah, speaking of character introduction then, so we, we meet Benga and Chapel, and I like all that stuff. Again, we don't get a huge amount of them, but the fact that they set up that the captain knows the Doctor, it it feels like, oh, are we going to be establishing, like, a, a troika like we had with Kirk Spock yeah. now? And I uh, like the fact that Nurse Chapel at the time is just a civilian. She didn't staff like yet. Yeah. But she apparently did invent the let's make us look like aliens when we go down the planet yeah. technology, which we use. Which a also lot ties of. into um, the motion picture when McCoy beams, beams back up and goes, I've got to need new medical staff. Uh, Chapel's a doctor off on so and so now. Yeah. <laughs> she's a lot more, uh, she's moved up. She, yeah, she's worked her way through the ranks. Yeah. Yeah, um, and, and another one of our sassy characters with her. Like, they like their sass yeah, on the show, that's all I'm saying. It's, it's definitely very sassy, that's true. Which is kind of like, again, it's interesting how you're going to go from there. Like, the obvious one is with her, again, she's kind of quite quiet and shy, and I feel like mm. we're going to see her come into herself. But with um, the likes of um, 
of Chapel, like why does she become more quiet when she gets older? Like, is there going to be something that she yeah, it's she, almost it's like overconfident she's played, um, in? It's almost like she's looked at Majel Barrett and she's playing Loxwana. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. It's like I again, if they justify it correctly, fair enough. But it's just yeah. I'll be interested to see if they do tie it in with the character because we did see Nurse Chapel quite a bit. Yeah, she's called Nurse Chapel, but she's not yet recognisable as the no. Nurse Chapel that we know. But uh, we'll see if we get there. It's early days. Um, I like during the away team mission, we, we get to have fun with transporters. First, we get the thing where she's telling Spock to do the nerve pinch and it takes him a, he's a little bit slow on the uptake. But yeah, yeah but, and it's. Then it's oh, like pinch, pinch his neck, pinch, pinch his neck. <laughs> and then it's like, right, we'll beam him up, and then what else can we do with beaming? We can beam some eye drops. Well, no, we get the, we, yeah, that, that we bit. Get that we program the transport of um, for your clothes when you beam down. Yes, so it's not to change your clothes. Yeah, <laughs> which makes yeah, a lot I, of sense. That we it not does make a lot of sense because I know that we had that we've had episodes where they, we've seen them change beforehand. But there's so many episodes where they've gone beam down now, and it, we assume that it's a minute later, and they are in new native clothes of where yeah, they've been. To. I feel like this is overstepping a little bit because we haven't seen that really before. No. That was the it's thing, like that, and the beaming. It's sort of the sort of thing which, yeah, it's like because I know you've always got to make the technology look good, even if it's prior to other stuff we see. I get that. I get a little bit of playing fast and loose with that, but like you say, it felt a little out of keeping to have that ability and also to beam something into someone's eye. That's really mm. well. What you don't see, it's actually like the bat poles in the Batman TV series. So when they're beaming down, they hit a switch and then. <laughs> We've even got to the point where they've got a the back probably flick a switch for clothes changes. But we've even got this bit where like suddenly uh, because they needed to for the plot, the medical base got a transport. Because sure, okay. Yeah, emergency medical transport, that makes sense. Um, Yeah, we never saw that on Kirk's Enterprise. So maybe it'll have to break down before the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, that that was the thing. Even in TNG, beaming into ship beaming was always meant to be. Oh, it's really risky. You don't want to be doing that. And but again, um, oh yeah. So the rescue Una and Lan. I keep saying, is it Lan or Lan? Anyway, knows her, and this sets up the payoff at the end where Pike's going to have a chat with her and everything. So I like that the establishing this relationship between different members of the crew so that we can get a handle on where it's all going to go. Um, I quite like the fun they have with, like, Spock's ears changing when yeah. they're in the lift. And and then he's like, I'm in intense pain, Captain. <laughs> and then he just breaks down and screams and the guy comes off. And then we find out, yeah, this is this is all the Federation's fault, basically, because they had that big battle at the end of Season 2 they could all see the warp signatures and they've... Yeah, it's only a light year away, so with the telescopes, they could... Yeah, so they've seen it. And and they can work out the frequencies and all that. Can we recreate that? Turns out we can, but it's very bloody dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. So (laughs) I like that idea. (laughs) I think that's... You know, it riffs on... 
even going back to the original series, like where you had them arming, like you had the Klingons arming people with gunpowder guns, you know, and it was like, oh, that's taking the technology too fast too soon and it's dangerous. And then Pike officially becomes one of our Star Trek captains because he says, screw General Order 1. <laughs> so he's in good company. I know it's not the prime directive yet. In fact, that name's not even going to catch on, according to Pike. Yeah, it'll never. Uh, yeah, that's very cutesy. <laughs> but yeah, screw General Order. We see he's been watching too much Day of the Earth stood still. So, in fact, he definitely has. Because the next thing he says is, "Take me to your leader." So he obviously likes sort of <laughs> science fiction. It also felt appropriate to, to where he is. Like, he's at a point where he's kind of, like, struggling with this. So if he's going to do this, he's going to do it on his own terms. Yeah. I felt. It is one of those great stories where it's like you, you can't just be bound by the rule book. You've got to think outside the box yeah. and find a solution that's going to do the least harm, where even if that means bending the rules or breaking the rules. And, yeah, he... He comes clean to the aliens. He's got a great line where he says, like, debate and conversation are the way that you deal with things, not by killing each other. Um, and she basically goes, no, screw that. We're going to blow them up. Yeah, no, we're, <laughs> we're going to have a big fight. What are you talking about? And, uh, <laughs> like, she, like she says, um, who has the biggest stick wins? And he yeah. goes, and it, like, take him away and he shouts over, communicator, emergency, uh, yeah. <laughs> And that's what gives him the idea. He's like, right, okay, well, who's got biggest stick? Yeah. <laughs> it's also a wonderful kind of like, uh, like you say, it's a different take on first contact. The idea that as opposed to just this wonderful ceremonial thing, they've they've reached the right moment or they've accidentally mm -hmm. found something out. I mean, okay, they did accidentally find something out, but I love the idea that um, they're going down a bad path. We're going to use this. We're going to show them what better they could do. It seemed very lovely yeah, in like Star if, Trek. If you follow General Order 1, you'd have to leave and let them all kill each other. So yeah. I get why he decides to intervene. Um, and the idea that the fact that an alien turning up is what causes the planet to come together, that's exactly what happens to humanity in the Star Trek universe. Yeah. So that all makes perfect sense. Then we do get a bit more about Laan, where it, we get this backstory, like you know, the Gorn founder and they ate everyone and then they send yeah. her out on her own. Pretty dark stuff. Yeah, they, were, send, they weren't afraid the of a... They weren't afraid of a dark backstory in this episode, let's just say. Like, they had no. like, Pike is haunted by what's going to happen to him. Her family got eaten by the Gorn. I mean, it's, it's yeah, some, some bleak moments in this, or bleak, bleak yeah, backstories. Absolutely. And then this is where we're going back to the eugenics wars then. So Pike gives a little video presentation of human history from basically now <laughs> until Star Trek time. So well it, it started in twenty twenty one, didn't it? Beginning of twenty twenty one is well, the yeah. started. I mean they explicitly show the Capitol riots, yeah. which I thought was I mean <laughs> it, it's upset a certain portion well, of the let's, let's no are we gonna lead, lose the rioters from the capital right oh yeah, no yeah, yeah. yeah let's be fair there's a bunch of right-wing idiots who like to slice star trek off and the the people who do the shows i'm gonna say must watch that the star trek to be able to say what the 
come out with. But the audience doesn't. They just go along with what they say about it. All yeah, being that's true. Woke. So they've gone, look, you have to slag us off anyway, so fuck you. Here's what, you's at, here's what you lot did. Yeah. Look, and this is you lot. That's the <laughs> this thing. This is you idiots. That's the thing, because a lot of the time, like with the whole ICE thing in Picard, they were saying, oh, they're not portraying ICE fairly, and they're trying to say that ICE are things that they're not. What they're portraying here is a bunch of insurrectionists who tried to take over the government and hang the vice president. If that's not trying to start a civil war, I don't know what is. So speculating that an outcome of that could have been a second American civil war, absolutely it could have been. So it's interesting that they've chosen to do that. But then Pike says... And that became the eugenics war, and that became World War Three. So we have finally sort of conflated World War Three yeah. and the eugenics wars, and we've repositioned them slightly by going. Actually, they happened a little bit later than what we've said. Yeah, like in Star Trek history. But doing that, I know people will say, "Well, look, they said in Space Seed it was in the '90s. We shouldn't change it." But it actually fixes so many more continuity errors than it causes because there's only one instance of them saying definitively the eugenics wars happened in the 90s. But we've got all sorts of time travel, like in Future's End, in Voyager, and things like that, which contradicts that. That we've That's why we've had to come up with all these... Um, fan fiction backstories and go, well, actually, the eugenics wars were a secret thing and no one realised they were going on. And just putting the marker down now and going, no, okay, forget you that. Eugenics wars haven't happened yet in the future. That, yeah, that fixes so many more things that I think we need to just let it go. You know? Yeah, um, I'm sure Enterprise, doesn't Enterprise at all reference it being like that? I'm sure. It references it in the, um, what do you call it, the augment stories, but I, I may be wrong, I, but I don't remember it giving a specific date. I don't think it'd give a year. Well, the think, fact that that's happening then means it's got to happen later, surely. The, well, the, yeah, the eugenics wars will happen, but they, they've always said, well, they said in Space Seed they happened in the 90s. But yeah, but then, like, then let's be fair. Quite oblique about it, I think. When Space Seed like, came out, Space Seed was, what, 1967, 68? Uh, yeah, 66, 67, yeah. Yeah, they have no idea that. 30 years on, Star Trek would still be a massive thing culturally. No, exactly. 96 was a nice time. So 30 years in the future from when you're making a show was nice and easy to do. The fact that Star Trek is still massive and culturally important and relevant Mm -hmm. and still ongoing, approaching 60 years late, Mm -hmm. you then have a problem when you've named dates. (laughs) I mean, like sci-fi now as a whole tends to set it further in the future because they know yeah. that TV yeah. doesn't always just last for five minutes. I think that's something we've got to do. Now that we've officially retconned it and gone okay, the eugenics wars will happen sometime in the mid to late 2020s. In ten years' time, we can't change it again. We, we, we've we got to go, okay, this is the point that our universe and the Star Trek universe diverged. Like, yeah. If we're actually putting the marker down now and saying definitively this is what happens. We can't just keep retconning it every time we catch up now. We, <laughs> at some point, we've got to go. Yeah, which is okay. the problem that you've got when you have a, 
a show that is yeah it like is. Star Trek which there's very few shows that ever do something like what Star Trek's done with its longevity and how yeah, it's yeah, come yeah. back for a third time the same well for a fourth time actually it's come back because yeah. we had <clears throat> in fact no fifth time because we had the original series then the movies then next gen then we have the new movies. Now we've got this new age of treks. So oh yeah, it's it's it come is, back so many times. You, that doesn't happen normally. No, it doesn't. And you know, it, you you do have to adapt. And I know technically it's contradicting some stuff that's gone before. But when you're in a position that you've got so much continuity and so much continuity that contradicts itself. You've got to do the best you can to patch yeah. over it, and I do think this is the best decision. Not least because I want the Adamson makes can TV show, yeah. also featuring Wesley and Corey and Captain Giorgio. So and Rios can pop into that. Rios can come well, in, yeah. And now we're onto this. So, like with Adam, so Adamson, it's it, is it his son we see in Enterprise? Uh, no, or his grandson, wouldn't it? It'd be his okay. gra- would be his grandson or great grandson, at least his okay. grandson. Yeah, just curious. I think so Enterprise is set in. You can you you can just Google the Soon family tree, but the problem is it's just a hundred pictures of Brent Spiner, so it's not actually that helpful. <laughs> yeah, so. Make it um, just slightly different. And then Pike says, why don't you join the Federation? So this week we're just giving out Federation memberships left, right and centre. Well, and I think that they did do that to an extent think, earlier on. And I think it's justified in this context because it's like, well, now that we've given you this technology, we need to keep an eye on you. And the best yeah. way to do this is to... Make you part of us. Yeah, and I love the montage we get after that where it's like this is the impact that joining the Federation has and you see him teaching the science in schools and yeah, it will show this is how much of an inspiration the Federation and Starfleet can be and I just love that. And something so we didn't tackle from near the beginning as well is where they uh, first see the Enterprise and it's like it's almost like it feels like present day Earth if like yeah, the yeah. first contact happened it was just so beautifully done it's like uh, what the hell is that and we all recognise yeah. it as the Enterprise then you go into the Enterprise oh it's, it's so nice yeah it's great yeah, um, so I like the wrap up to the story of the week I think that's done really well um, I like that you get that scene with Leanne talking to Pike again and he says that where he says you didn't trust uh you thought I wouldn't trust you, so you chose not to trust me. I think that's a really good line. And then he shows he's trusting her, where he's like, no, you're going to be my chief of security now. So I liked all of that. And then we get the Kirk reveal. So well, I liked when they were headed, when they back to uh, space stock, and there's the big domes up there of trees. Oh, yeah. And he goes, yeah, um, during the Third World War, scientists launched these domes up to try to preserve some of the plant life. Yeah. But it just grew too down. big. We can't, that they couldn't bring it back down. Yeah. You so see, Starfleet built its first base around it. <laughs> see, two episodes aired on the same day and we're both referencing the Third World War and the eugenics wars. I just feel like something's brewing here. I may be totally wrong, but. It just feels like we're putting the pieces in place. We're putting the pieces in place. And, like, they maybe are putting the pieces in place. And maybe realise with the eugenics wars, they've got two options. Either 
keep moving the date of mm. when it happens to sort of keep our world and Star Trek world in the same universe, mm-hmm. or they admit that the Star Trek universe is different to ours, yeah, and the when- dude eugen- eugenics was... I say just do it. Let's have a just young guy <laughs> going around and let, let's cast an Indian actor as Cam rather than having a Mexican actor with brown face or a white actor. We can get a Mexican to consult of how there should be a... Yes. Culturally. <laughs> yeah, let's just throw caution to the wind and say, let's have Cam Noonien sing played by an Indian actor. I think we're... I, 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 I completely agree, but like a, a Mexican actor at least was better than White Khan. I'm sorry, that just that was just painful I mean, to me. Ricardo Monteblon, and I'm not condoning blackface, brownface, any of that, but Ricardo Monteblon's one of them, like, if you can get him for a role, give him the role. It doesn't matter what it is. Well, also, I, I feel like <laughs> it is a closer match. And again, I'm not saying it's right, but I'm just saying it just seems like an extra level of insult to, to the, the people who've got all the roles, which are white people historically, to give them one of the characters especially seems a worse crime. Yeah. If you're fudging other people's ethnicity, it's not great, but it's yeah. a little bit better. It's a lot less insidious than going, well, the guy's named Khan. Of course, Benedict Cumberbatch could play him. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there were, there were circumstances behind that, that he was cast last minute sort of thing. But also, you could have probably found an Indian actor at last minute anyway. Let's not relitigate <laughs> into darkness too much. <laughs> uh, Samuel Kirk then, so that's the revelation. He walks on, he's got a blue shirt on, he's got a tash. I thought it was a good gag. No, you see, to me, it's a good gag. And there is part of me which certainly, like, uh, uh, it made me think of a lot of the older books where they had uh, Robert um, Robert April and you had as the captain and then you had Kirk's dad I think was a curity usually in those books or certainly in one of them that I read I remember and you had young Kirk coming on the on the ship at one stage it was just all very good and well it's the idea now though the only thing which slightly I don't know it just like Spock's then had a relationship with Kirk's dad before he has yeah that's weird no this is his brother his brother is his brother I thought it was meant to be his dad sorry the the reason he's got the silly tash is because his brother was played by William Shatner with a silly tash. Right, so so it's a a gag related to that. I completely fluffed that. I thought it was meant to be his dad. No, oh, sorry, of course it is Samuel Kirk. Sorry, yeah. It'd been Chris Hemsworth that would have been his dad, and they probably couldn't afford him. So, well, that's true. That's why the last that. Film never happened because they wanted to yeah. pay the money the they paid him for a cameo when he wasn't Thor yet. Yeah, pay him the, the same now. It's like too much money, but anyway, you think uh, should should have signed him up for multiple films for sequels? Always sign people yeah. up for multiple films. <laughs> In fairness, though, like when when people say it's like oh, he wanted too much money. No, he wanted to be paid for what he's worth. Yeah, he wanted, he wanted yeah. to be paid for what. 2020 Chris Hemsworth is worth, which is a damn sight more than what 2009 Chris Hemsworth's worth, you know. And if you think about it, they put so much work into their career and building up a prestige, yeah, they want to get paid. Fair, fair play. Absolutely. No, I'm, I'm all for actors getting paid what they... I mean, I think like, what actors get paid seen, but living within that framework... Like, I, don't mind, I don't mind the guys, that, these actors, and they do get paid mega money for these blockbusters, and fair play to them. Why should the studios get all all the money? 
Yeah. But I also like how a lot of these actors do do smaller for smaller films to yeah, do yeah. make appearances and not earn a, a lot. No, they will do. Yeah, absolutely. It, the, the, it still uh, does. Uh, is it Chris Hemsworth who still does uh, Broadway plays? It might do. I'm not sure. I think a lot of them do. <laughs> a, lot of them, a lot of them do that thing where it's like one for the studio and me bank balance, and then one for me that I yes. I want sort yeah. of thing. Uh, anyway, and then the episode finishes, I think, really well with P- Pike basically restating the mission and giving us the... Yeah, and uh, Robert uh, April asked, had to pull all the strings that he possibly could to not um, court-martial him for breaking yeah. general order for the reason. But yeah, it's one of them that, like, well, we can't admit that we made a balls of it, so we can't really bollock you for fixing it the way you yeah. did. So, yeah. <laughs> it's also that lovely feel of, like, you get the feeling that the, um, like, you know, in Kirk's time, for instance, that it's more of a kind of casual relationship. There's a bit more fast and loose with the rules, more mirroring the kind of maybe yeah, the attitudes well, of the right. 60s. Yeah. So kind of this feels in keeping with that, which is really nice. It's yeah, kind of a bit of a callback to, you know what? I got you covered. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Admiral's got you covered. We do need him to do some time travel to fit in with every other captain. No, yes, I'm sure. Absolutely. I think we might give it a break for the rest of this season. We've yeah. just had a full-time travel season, but you can almost guarantee that Pike will get to do a bit of time travel at some point. Um, so, that's Strange New Worlds, then. Um, and we still haven't met um, all the new characters. No, we've got the we've still got the new engineer who's just beamed up at the end. Yeah. The White Orion. Yeah, the Anar. Yeah, Kirk's brother we've just seen. Yeah, yeah. So lots to look forward to, I think. Yeah, we haven't met. Like we got a brief sort of meeting of the com, but we haven't really fully met them. So we've got them together. Yeah, the common ops. Yeah, Ortegas, and I can't remember what the yeah his name is. Um, and we, you know, we'll get to see more of Number One. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that we're gonna know. I'm sure that this crew is going to become very familiar to us very quickly. Yeah. Because great, of how we saw how we shrek the crew in Discovery. Yeah. The the great thing about this is as well, like I've enjoyed every episode with Picard saying, what do we think is going to happen next week? Absolutely no point in doing this because we know no. it's episode of the week. It could uh, be literally anything like, next week. And I'm, I'm trying, I'm setting my stall out this season. Because I know it's episodic. To try and avoid any spoilers of next yeah, week. Me too. I mean, I know what the title is, but which I think gives a clue as to what the plot's going to be. But I've no idea how it's going to work out. So, yeah, really looking forward to that. And next week we won't go quite as long. So we'll just have one episode to talk yeah. about. But we I always knew this was going to be a really long yeah, episode. This is <laughs> this was the big one. So. Well, it has been our 150th, so it has been a special episode. It's been a special occasion. It's you like said it. that. As you said that, it just turned 150 minutes. <laughs> the timing was perfect on that. There we are. So there it's we like are. we planned it all, which we emphatically did not. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, we'll be back next week to talk about episode two of Strange New Worlds. You can reach us on Twitter at RetreatPod. You can email us RetreatPod at gmail.com. But the best place to get us is probably the Facebook group. So just search for Retrek. Come and chat with us on there. 
Dr. Squee, you've got more Dr. Squee show coming up, I assume, this week. I do. Tomorrow, actually, at six o'clock, um, I'm hoping to bring you, I've got to listen back to a check it came out, okay, but uh, I was at Covcom this weekend. I spoke to, uh, amongst others, the surviving cast of Alola Low. so uh, hopefully oh, that's, that's going to be the one for tomorrow, but yeah. Cool. Yeah, very fun time. Right then, so thanks for trekking with us this time, and we'll see you next time on the retrack. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.